This episode of the Fundraising Elevator podcast was recorded live at the 2024 Elevate Conference. Thank you, Lisa. Well, I am here to hopefully inspire you all to think about events in new ways. Um, I have a lot of examples I'm going to share of amazing things people are doing. Some of these examples might be your event. There's a lot of people in the room I highlight and a lot of people online that I highlight. Thank you all for uh, being a part of Elevate. And to my friend Jenny, who said, but are you going to be talking about things other than galas? We are talking about things other than galas. That is one component, but there are so many things people are doing with events now that I want to be able to dive into and be able to share with you. Really, to sort of um, share some good news and kick off, I really want to start by just letting you know, um, I've been doing some comparison note-taking, and our friend at Artists and Auction, Kelly Russell and Alicia Allen here, and our friend at DC Auctions, Dale Johannes, have all said universally this past year that fundraising at events has been climbing and climbing and climbing. And we're seeing full rooms again, very exciting. And we're seeing money happen again, very exciting. Dale is nodding, Kelly's in the back of the room cheering. So it is exciting to see that fundraising events are back on the rise. But now events are taking on a whole new role in our organization. Um, and the whole world has changed. So, of course, fundraising events have changed. And there are a couple of things that are really important for us to think about when we think about any type of gathering, any type of event. First, I want to say it has to be convenient because we have moved into a world where we have access now in our phones, at our laptops, at our fingertips. It has to be accessible and convenient. And also, it has to be easy to participate in with compelling content that pulls us in. Now, how many of you have heard from your staff, your board, but we've always done it that way? Mm-hmm. How many people at home have heard, but we've always done it that way? How many of you have organizational goals that were established before you were there. James Lindquist in San Diego, or in San Diego, Palm Springs, I see you. I know that goals are established sometimes for us. And what I want to say is this is this incredible opportunity right now that we have to kind of reset the playing field because expectations have shifted. No one expects things to be exactly the way they've always been. And this is our chance to engage differently. The pandemic taught us different ways to engage and people are gathering differently. I mean, look at this. Our first Elevate conference five years ago was completely in person, and now most of our audience is tuning in virtually from around the country. So we thank you all for joining us. It is different to be in a hybrid space because now we're talking to both audiences. We're talking to the viewer at home. We're talking to the participant in the room. And I want to encourage us to rethink how we gather. So to do that, I want to call in some experts into the space. First, I want to call on our friend Susan Howlett. Susan is a researcher out of University of Washington in Seattle, and she has researched why people give. Now, most of us, I think, have that initial gut reaction of giving is for to do good, to like care about the mission, to support the world. Yes, that is one of the reasons why people give, but not the only reason. And there are two other huge motivating factors for people that tie right into what Tammy was talking about with donor stewardship, in that people also give to be known to be recognized, to be thanked, to be seen as a part of this work, and to be a part of the community. And the nice thing about an event is that it allows us to do that. It allows us to look at you and say, thank you. 
Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of this work. It also allows us to celebrate when donors step up and raise that paddle high. And so events have become an opportunity for us to bring people back into the work of the organization. The other thing Susan Howlett says is that the more people are involved, the more the giving goes up. Well, we've lost touch with a lot of our donors over the past couple of years. And I'll tell you, email and social media does not necessarily cut it when it comes to donor cultivation. And when we look at the history of engagement over the years, what we often find is that the lowest gift is the first gift. If you can secure a second gift within six weeks of the first gift, you are I believe it's like 82% more likely to retain that donor over the lifetime of the donor involved in your mission. Because what that says is you immediately reached out, pulled them in, engaged them in your work, and made them a part of something. But as they get more involved, as they volunteer for you, as they're on a committee, as they're on a board, their investment level goes up. And if you look at your list of major donors, my guess is that a lot of those donors serve in some capacity with your organization. So engagement is critical and suddenly how we gather matters. So I want to pull in another expert, our friend Priya Parker. She was our keynote speaker two years ago at Elevate. She is a conflict negotiator. And she wrote the book, The Art of Gathering, because what she found is that she could get into rooms of people and move agendas, move missions forward, engage people, and then would go to gatherings with her friends or her family. And it was like a checklist instead of something meaningful. And the art of gathering starts with the question, of what is the purpose of bringing people together? I love this quote. When we don't examine the deeper assumptions behind why we gather, we end up skipping too quickly to replicating old, staid formats of gathering. And we forgo the possibility of creating something memorable and even transformative. And this was the first time in our 20-year history of fundraising events where we stopped by beginning with the fundraising goal, and we started by beginning with the purpose and asking what is possible for our mission when we bring people together. So I have a room full of 100 people, what am I going to do to mobilize my mission forward when I have those 100 people in a room? I think so often we think about our centerpieces and our food and our decor, and those are all important, but we're missing the opportunity to move our mission forward if we're not centering our mission. The second person I want to call into as an expert in the space is Simon Sinek. Many of you know Simon Sinek, Start With Why, Golden Circle of Why. If you haven't seen his TED Talk, I highly recommend watching his TED Talk. But essentially, his idea is that people do not buy what you do, they buy why you do it. So if you start a donor solicitation letter and say, we are a 501c3 nonprofit, I am ripping your letter up and throwing it in the mail. I don't really care what your tax status is. But if you tell me, we believe that all children deserve a place to thrive, ooh, I believe that too, I'm in. And those are powerful words to start with, we believe. So when you start thinking about your events, when you start thinking about what you're doing next with your events, what I want you to do first is start with your why. Now there is an interviewing technique called the onion. 
in which you peel the onion. You know the onion has multiple layers. You can peel that onion. I want you to start your event planning by asking this question five times. Why are we gathering people? Then ask it again. But why are we gathering people? And my guess is that you will act like a funnel and get clearer and clearer and clearer on why you are gathering people. Then you can consider how you gather them and what you are going to do when you gather. So let me give you an example of this. We're working with an organization right now that's based in Arizona. It is their 10-year anniversary coming up. They launched their organization in Washington, D.C. 10 years ago. They're based in Arizona. They said to us, we have to have a 10-year anniversary gathering in Washington, D.C. We said, well, why? Well, it's our 10-year anniversary. Okay, but why are we gathering people? The first answer they gave us was, well, we've done so much in 10 years. We have so much to share with them. We have data, we have analytics, we have results. We need to be able to gather people, and we want to celebrate that 10 years. And 10 years ago, we launched in D.C. Okay. Why are we gathering people? Well, we've learned so much that actually creates results for the people we gather that if we can get them back in a room together, we can move their impact further. Okay, well, why are we gathering people? We're increasing graduation rates. Okay, why are we gathering people? This audience is working hard to increase graduation rates and we have the answers. Why do you need to be in Washington, D.C.? We don't. <laughs> so... The how we gather people, the what in our gathering can be dramatically impacted when we understand why. So that's number one. Let me give you some examples of some amazing organizations doing some really cool work to center their mission and give the why. First one, please welcome Make-A-Wish. We love Make-A-Wish. Make-A-Wish is here in the room with us today. They're doing some incredible things. This was like a decade ago, so talk to them now about what they're doing. But Make-A-Wish said, when we immerse people in a wish, we don't even have to explain our mission. So their why was, we need to immerse people in a wish. We need them to see and feel and be a part of what we do. So they did that by having a celebration in which their entire gala audience was the royal co court for Courageous Clementine. And Courageous Clementine's wish was to be a princess. And that wish came true that night. She was the center of the event. She thanked every donor. She waved her magic wand around the room. Every guest in the room curtsied to Courageous Clementine. We were taught as donors how to participate in her wish. And you didn't have to tell me the science behind the wish. You didn't have to tell me about the impact of the mission because I saw it in action. I lived it. We also have our friends at Community Warehouse. Community Warehouse said after the pandemic, we have to show people the growth we have gone through because what we are doing is we are supplying furniture resources to our friends in the community that have previously been unhoused, moving into housing. And we need people to understand when we say that our organization fills and empties our warehouses every day, we need people to understand what that means. What better way to do it than to bring people in the warehouse? So these are donors that often don't ever walk in the warehouse and they brought them in, they 
introduced them to what the warehouse does, who the warehouse is, but they also told the story that the number one barrier they experience with clients coming in is whether or not mattresses are available. And that can be the number one reason why folks do use or don't use the service, do show up for an appointment or don't show up for an appointment. And so they told the story of the mattresses. You can see they're in the warehouse. And then they told the story of our donor front and center who said, I want to buy mattresses. If you buy one, I'll match it and I'll buy one. And they raised paddles and they filled that warehouse with mattresses. Our friends at Pride Foundation serve five states. And they said in the month of June, our staff travels from state to state to state, hosting donor gatherings in every state. And our why is that we want all of our donors to be a part of one big giant celebration. And so we brought folks together in two live locations for their event and broadcast the event together with watch parties in all five states so that they could have all of their donors participating. We had our executive director live in Seattle. We had our fundraiser, Dale, here in Portland. We also have Harper's Playground who just finished their biggest capital campaign ever in which they said, these are the donors who made this happen and we need them to see the power of play. Once again, they didn't have to tell us the data and the analytics and the statistics about the power of play. They just brought us into the park and they hosted their gala in the park and we got to play with kids in the neighborhood on the park. So bringing our mission front and center is one of the first starting points and understanding why we're having an event. But I want to bring forward another expert, Paul Zach. He is my like nerd god. I think that he is the best researcher out there who is doing work to help us understand how we interact with each other. He is a, a neuroscientist. He dives deep into how we connect, how storytelling impacts us. And he has a new book out, Immersion. It's an awesome book. Kelly Russell and I have been in a book club together reading Immersion and have a million ideas about how to adopt Immersion into your event. But there's a couple of key things that he says about Immersion. What Immersion is is a benchmark for us to be able to understand the connection that happens. He says Immersion is a neurologic state that is the way the brain values experiences with emotional content. Immersion requires attention and emotional resonance. Immersion creates action, sharing with others, enjoyment, happiness, and emotional bias. I want all of my donors leaving my event sharing the work that we do with other people. This is how we do it. And he has four steps to immersion. So I want to break those down so you know how to apply those to your event. Staging means psychological safety. We're going to talk about all the elements of staging. In fact, some that you experience today. Immersion, the attention and emotional connection people have. Relevance, understanding if this connects to your audience and knowing your audience. And action, a call to action that has to happen at the peak engagement. So let's start first with staging. Staging begins first with your invitation. Your, as Priya Parker says, your event begins the day your audience finds out about it. So when they open that invitation, they get the email blast, your event begins right then. So your event has to start to tell people how to engage. This 50th anniversary event, they said, wear your glitter, glitteriest gold. So they told people what to wear to the event. Then 
communication in advance that helps people to understand how to participate. Everyone here who is in the room received an email from us yesterday with directions about parking. Everyone at home received an email from us yesterday with directions about logging in and how to connect online. This helps us to understand how to participate so we're warm coming into the event. Also, greeting people. I think it's so bizarre when I walk into an event and I'm lost and confused and I don't know where to go. And it happens all the time because sometimes we have events that are in big convention centers, big hotels, giant casinos where the ballroom's way on the other side. And in all of those cases, we need wayfinding resources to help people so that they feel like they understand how to participate and feel safe. Registration. This is a key. You need to make sure it's accessible, it's easy to find, that you're greeted by people who are kind and know what they're doing versus people who are manic and upset and frustrated. Registration and a welcoming environment with enough terminals is important. Terminal tip, you need at least one station for every 75 guests. I wanna thank our volunteers who are here today running registration, you all did a fabulous job, thank you. Additionally, you want to make sure that your event starts right at the beginning. You want to start telling your story at the beginning. Branding helps do that. Themes help do that. This particular organization was celebrating 50 years, so as you entered the event, you saw like a chronological timeline of photos. And you want to welcome them in a way that feels fun and celebratory. Our friends at Literary Arts have a relationship where one of their biggest donors owns a winery and she donated bubbles so that everyone walking in the room could get a glass of bubbles as they came in the room. And finally, you need to make sure that your staging starts with your program on the stage. If you notice today, Lisa Watson started by walking us through how to participate. That should happen in all of your event scripts. It allows your audience to understand what to do, how to participate, because what happens if you don't understand, people stop engaging. They're like, I don't get what's expected here, I'm out. That's staging. Let's talk about immersion. Immersion is attention and emotional connection. So first, seat your guests. If you want them paying attention, and you have a dance party going on and cocktail hour going on and silent auction going on, your guests are not gonna pay attention. If you can bring them into a seated space, it tells them this is important. This is what's important right now. Otherwise, you're yelling over the other activities and what you're teaching them is that's equally important. And honestly, if I'm at a cocktail party and someone's trying to talk to me, or I'm at a, the like, first hour reception and people are trying to talk to me, the first time I'm like, oh, someone's talking. The second time I'm like, I'm busy. <laughs> and the third time I'm like, what? I can't hear you, they're talking over. It, the conversation and connection to each other is just as important. So when you want people to engage with your program, you need them to be seated. Then use lighting to help connect your audience to what's expected and anticipated. We all know what to do when the lights come down right? We all hush like in a theater. So use lighting so that you don't have to have someone standing on the stage going, excuse me, hello. Tell your audience what to expect by bringing those lights down and then engage people in storytelling that connects to your mission. Now, Kristen's going to dive into this in her next session, but storytelling is the number one tool we have that sells our mission, that sells our brand, that sells our product. Tell your story. 
We all have a different story associated with our mission. And I'll tell you my favorite way to tell stories through a great video. Use video as a way to connect donors where you can both show and tell your work in action. So let's talk about relevance. This is phase three from Paul Zach. Relevance means it has to connect to me in some way. If we were all nonprofit fundraisers attending this event and I got up here and started talking about real estate, it doesn't connect to why you're here, right? So we need to make sure that it's relevant. Now, Kristen's gonna talk a lot about this story arc, but a story arc also shows us the top of the action. And our action has to happen right at the top of the action. Because when we do that well, we connect people deeper to our story, we invest them deeper in our work. And our recommendation for making sure that we're starting with a story that has impact is that we both show and tell our mission in action. Then we have to understand who our donor is in the room. We have to appeal to them. This particular event, we knew we had a range of donors. We had capacity in the room that could give $10,000, and we had capacity in the room that might not be able to give it all. And so the fundraising went down to $10. And you can see we engaged our youngest donor in two $10 gifts in the room. Then we also have to make sure we understand what is compelling to our audience. So this lovely participant, if we had been perhaps selling an auction package that was a fun trip, that might be really compelling to her. But if we were selling an auction package to a real estate workshop and she's a new realtor, that might be more compelling to her. So understanding who our audience is, is so important to what we're doing and designing. And then finally, there has to be a call to action. We have to engage our donors in something. If all we do is gather them, we leave our donors wanting more. They leave that gathering of any kind, any size saying, but how do I participate? So call to action needs to happen at the top of the energy arc, and it needs to be easy to participate in. If we make it too complicated, People don't participate. So let's look at some examples of how this is now playing out in all different kinds of events and where it's showing up. Um, our friend Charles Osgood, an amazing journalist who is known for his incredible work on the radio, once said, there's nothing that can't be improved by making it shorter and better. Well, I think that's true for your events. So trends and events right now, they are shorter. There is much more time to connect to each other. Make sure you leave time for your donors to be talking to each other. That's important. Make sure it's fun, that there's celebration involved, that you have impactful storytelling and less transaction. We're seeing giving decline on things like games, activities, silent auctions, and we're seeing giving go up in appeals because they're based in relationship and story. But people aren't just gathering in galas anymore. And I want to make sure that you start to think outside the box about how you're gathering folks. So one, people are gathering in a format that is one of my favorite formats, and that is the podcast. We have a lot of nonprofit friends that have started podcasts for their donors. And I cannot tell you the incredible impact and results that they are seeing. Because what they're doing is they're meeting the donor on their time where they're at right? They're out walking their dog, they're driving on a commute, and they're able to tune in and listen and hear the stories of the organization. But in addition to that, podcasts are a way that you can bring your donor in as an expert to talk about why they give, why they support. We have so many organizations that have started podcasts and are seeing that 
after every single podcast airs, they're seeing donations come in. Now, again, there has to be call to action. They include call to action and an easy way to participate. But we're not just tuning in in an audio sense or a podcast sense. We're also tuning into webinars. We have a lot of organizations, especially in legacy giving, teaching young donors how to do estate plan giving and hosting webinars to gather people and inform them about how to participate in legacy giving. And the results that we have seen have been astronomical. We had an organization host a webinar that we were behind the scenes in Zoom managing, and they were teaching people what to do when you inherit an estate property where you don't want the tax obligation of the house but you want to do something good with it. They were teaching people how to donate that. And by the time we had ended the webinar, they had three people reaching out to see if they could donate property to the organization. We also see people using live streaming. This is so powerful because live streaming is a very affordable way to incorporate your program content and bring your donors into that. So Guide Dogs for the Blind has a graduation ceremony once a month with new guide dogs and guide dog users, and they've started broadcasting that. And that live stream now, donors tune in to see who the latest graduation is and who's participating and what's happening. We see folks that are gathering people in live, in symposium settings and live streaming it. We also see folks that are live streaming their program content. So students performing our, you know, programs that we can uh, share via live stream, powerful way to bring people in, new way to bring people in. Now, this is the one that I cannot impress enough upon the importance of. If we have not seen or talked to our donors in a really long time, if we haven't seen them returning to events, the simplest, easiest way is to have a thank you event where you say, we're going to recognize you. Have a call to action in the event where you have your donors stand, be recognized, be appreciated. But a thank you event is a really powerful way to gently bring people back to your organization. Volunteering is back on the rise. Give people the opportunity to be a part of your mission. Also, the opportunity to center your expertise, your knowledge, and be able to share out with the world the work that you do by holding a symposium or broadcasting that out in a live stream. One of my favorites is the opportunity to learn. So if you're a food bank, teach me how to grow healthy food. If you are a furniture bank, teach me how to refurbish furniture. Share your expertise with me. Give me an opportunity to tune into the work you do that you're an expert in. And finally, the most popular type of gathering we're seeing right now, heads and tails above, I saw a lot of comments in the chat about this, Gap, really simple small gatherings. Dinner parties, small curated gatherings where you're identifying a couple of key people to bring together, hosted by board members or staff members, recentering the stories of your work. So I want to share a couple more examples of how people are centering their mission, and then I want to dive into a couple of questions before we wrap up. Our friends at Literary Arts had an awesome donor say, I want to donate my library to you. And so they utilized her library in the centerpieces and asked every guest to pick a book and take it home with them. And what that did was create conversation about the importance books have in our lives. I saw everyone walking out comparing, what book did you get? Oh, I read that book. It was a great way to engage people in their mission right in the middle of their event. 
North by Northeast Community Health Clinic believes that health begins with joy. So their staff, for every event and gathering they have, prepares a flash mob song where they thank all their sponsors. Our friends in Missoula, Montana, wanted to impress upon folks the importance of Red Shoe Living, a book by Lonnie Maines about the importance of giving to others and seeing that impact back. So they invited everyone to attend their event wearing red shoes. I wore my red shoes today in honor of Red Shoe Living. The center in San Diego was celebrating their 50th anniversary and to center their mission, they said, we want to center every person on that stage has to be a part of our community and a part of the community center, which they did. And we know that we have a lot of people that aren't able to attend and so they broadcast the event out, making choices to be able to center their mission. Now, our friend Charlene is tuning in virtually. Hi, Charlene. Thanks for joining us. She hosted an incredible event with her partners at Council for the Homeless. They focus on housing. And one of the things that they get asked all the time is, but what can I do? So instead of hosting their annual luncheon, they brought people together in an evening gathering at a theater with an expert to talk specifically about what I can do to make an impact on housing. And then they told their story of how they're making an impact on housing and how to call to action. It was powerful for them. And that expert then went and talked to their elected officials, went and talked to school boards, went and talked to students in the community. So it was a powerful way to bring people together in a very different format. Our friends at TASTE believe important, that it's important to center their guests and make the guests the primary focus of community and building community and seeing themselves in community. So they serve their dinner in a family-style service so that conversation is happening around the table. And my favorite Next Level event that we have ever done, hands down, happened this December. Our friends at Guide Dogs for the Blind had two locations. Now, they had previously been hosting a very large gala format at the Ritz-Carlton in San Francisco, and not everyone could travel to San Francisco, and they have donors all internationally. But their donors are heavily centered here in Oregon because they have an Oregon campus and heavily centered in San Francisco because they have a San Francisco campus. So instead, what they did was bring 150 people together in this room for their Portland audience, and 150 people together in their campus location for their audience, and they broadcast the entire event and tied them both together so that the speakers in both locations were talking to each other. They had 1,100 people attending virtually. They raised more money than they had ever raised at their gala, and they spent a lot less money, and it was a powerful, impactful night. And finally, one of my Favorite examples, this is an older event that we did with ACLU, and when they said, we need to center our mission, we need to make sure that we're bringing our mission forefront, but we have one concern that we have when we bring people together is that sometimes we have people show up and protest. And that particular year, they're doing a lot of work on legislation having to do with banning drag performances, on fighting and advocating for trans folks. And so the solution to center their mission was that they were gonna hire security. And they were worried because not everyone has a strong relationship. It's not always safe for people to be in an environment with armed security officers. So their security team. <laughs> And I'll tell you, this is the most impactful security team because you do not want to piss off a drag queen. <laughs> but they have the persona and the ability to bring forth the energy that brings down 
the stress, the anxiety level. They did a fabulous job. And what they did was they made the event so fun. We never had any concerns or problems, but they centered their mission, they centered their audience, and they brought really creative solutions to the table. So as you rethink your events, I really want you to think about how you design for a purpose, how you center your mission, and make choices based on that why, but dive deep into what that why is. Because ultimately, it's a chance for us to build community, to immerse our guests, and really leave them sharing our story out to others. So I want to close. We have about eight minutes. I want to close with some questions. If you're here in the room and you have questions about your event, please step up to the microphone. And our chat moderators, I'm going to ask, are there any questions that came in from the online audience? I'm seeing some head nods. Yes. Uh, first question from our online audience comes from Natalie. Uh, they're asking... Question for speaker panelists, are these trends based on geography, demographics, et cetera, would love more insight or resources about these event trends? Great question. They're not based on geography, but there are things that happen geographically that are different. One of the things, I hear a laugh from Dale. One of the things, so Dale and Kelly, who are here, are fundraising professionals in the room, work all around the country all the time. One of the things that we see is that there's a East Coast and a West Coast trend that is very active fundraising. And then there is also sort of the Midwest and the South trend that is not as active. We believe strongly that we can make a much bigger impact when we're actively fundraising. And so we're here to teach you how to actively fundraising if you're not actively fundraising. Um, our friend Beth, who is tuning in from Iowa, Beth has transformed her organization by engaging her audience in active fundraising. Um, but these trends, these are trends that are coming from Chronicle of Philanthropy. They're coming out of um, a number of our partners. We have so many of our software partners that do surveys and trends in the sector, our friends at Greater Giving do a survey with their, um, their clients about what's happening in the sector. So these trends are coming from sort of a broad national perspective. Thanks, Natalie. Any other questions from the online audience? Uh, another question is uh, also from Natalie. Any resources for live streaming sources, Zoom, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, great question. We have a live streaming conversation that's going to happen with Ryan Brothers at the AV department because he's going to talk us through what's possible with live streaming. We really love live streaming. It's been a very affordable way to do a lot. You can do a lot with very user-friendly accessible tools. So Zoom and Crowdcast is what you use, right? Zoom and Crowdcast are two tools that are doing a whole lot to be able to do a lot of content. What they don't offer, though, is sort of the high production value that you get when you're using like high-end production TV cameras and things like that. So what we're doing today is actually live streaming with a whole live stream team. We have Steve-O and Andy is actually upstairs managing this giant board of cues and resources where he can bring up an overlay. Um, Steve-O, can we bring up my name tag overlay just so that we can see what that looks like? So this kind of like production value is added when you have a live stream team. And the live stream team that we work with here is the AV department. They work all up and down the West Coast. They're very low cost affordable option. We have a lot of partners that are starting to integrate live stream into their platform. 
There are so many software tools that have integrated Livestream into their platform. One Cause does an incredible Livestream in their platform. Greater Giving does a Livestream in their platform. Does QGive have a Livestream in their platform? Coming, possibly. Okay, possibly. <laughs> so there, there's a lot of resource out there now where live streaming is being seen as a tool and a resource. Any other online questions? All right, friends here in the room, can you step up to the microphone so we can capture you? Thank you for being brave. I know the introverts among us don't always love stepping up to the microphone. It is definitely a way to create inclusion for others, so thank you. Hi, I'm Nell, they, them. Um, both Tammy and you talked about this uh, when it comes to immersion or Tammy was talking about behind the scenes. I feel like that's a lot easier for organizations that are doing direct service. Oh, sure. Do you have ideas or examples of how to immerse or bring your donors into work when you're maybe an advocacy organization or like, I don't know, my donor doesn't want to watch me like answer emails behind the scenes. <laughs> I actually argue they might want to because um, there is actually this like aha bing that went off when I was listening to Tammy Zonker explain story tours. So now tomorrow Tammy's going to do a story tour session. Story tours are a way to immerse people in your mission and bring people into the work you do. So yes, I think story tours can be a really compelling way to do that. We have a podcast with Tammy also where she introduces that. So if you want to dive into it today, it's on the streaming site. Um, but the other thing that I would recommend is anytime you have an opportunity to bring people in, such as an advocacy day, getting people out, advocating with you, that's powerful. So any opportunity that you had to bring people in, but even, it depends on what you're advocating for, but if you're advocating for something I believe in, I'll come write thank you letters, I'll send stuff envelopes with you. Absolutely want to be a part of the work and the mission. So allow people to be engaged in the work that you do. That's a really easy way to immerse them. But, you know, Instagram, TikTok, there's so many tools now through social media that can give people just a look inside. If you're all getting ready for a big advocacy day, I don't know if you follow SEIU, their union organizer, they give us a little quick snapshot of like loading all of the banners and, and making all of the signs as a part of their sort of social media content before a gathering. Any other questions from our, our friends in the room? Yeah. So I had a quick question. Um, and this is in regards to appeals. And I know appeals can also be a storytelling aspect, so this might be later to come, so let me know. But tips on an appeal when 60% of the audience are youth. Oh, I love that you have 60% of your audience as youth. Only That's towards, amazing. Yeah. Well, I think it's important. We're going to demo actually in a little bit an appeal where we understand that you all are here to learn. You're not necessarily here to give, but we're going to ask you to participate in a way that creates access so that everyone has a chance to participate. So I think giving, giving an under, or having an understanding of your audience allows you to sort of set an expectation and level set some of those asks that you're making. Um, but I think there's other ways to ask folks to participate, even if the giving isn't dollar-wise, right? It's how can they go and tell their friends about your work? How can they be a part of your work? I think it's all a matter of, and not knowing your work, it's hard to know for, certain, for sure, but I think it's all a matter of how can you mobilize this young, engaged audience in your mission and that ask be a part of ways that they can participate. Does that help? No, that definitely helps a lot. And my name's Jessica and I'm with REAP. 
such What's the organization? REAP. Oh, awesome. Thank you for being here. We're glad you're here. One last question and then we're going to wrap up. Go ahead. Come into the microphone. Hi, my name is Serena Boyce from Oregon Children's Theater, and I'm one of the uh, scholars that won scholarship to come to this event, so I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you. My question is, if there must be a, a book that we must read, like a oh. book, can you give us like five? <laughs> five books? Five books that yes. must read. I can. Okay, are you ready? Here we go. Yes. The Art of Gathering. Yes, I got it. Book number one. Immersion. Book number two. Start with Why by Simon Sinek. I read that. Book number three. Major donor fundraising events by myself and Kristen Steele. Book number four. And... What's the title, Kelly? Book on fundraising, Book on fundraising auctions by Kelly Russell. <laughs> Thank you all. Thank you for the great question. Thank Lisa, you so much. I'm going to bring you back to introduce our next speaker. The Fundraising Elevator is produced in partnership with Swaim Strategies at the studios of the AV department. The program is produced by April Clark and directed by Steve Osborne, with audio engineering and original music by Dwayne Anderson and Heidi Christensen. Video production by Chris Peterson, Whitney Gomes, and Nathan Bouquet. Video editing by Steve Osborne. Graphic design by Pendulum Creative Group and support from Sophia Keller, John Lyles, and Andy Dowsett. Loving the fundraising elevator, but wondering how you can talk to Sam and Kristen? Well, now's your chance to do it. Book one-on-one -on -one consulting time with Swain Strategies experts, Sam, Kristen, and Mary, and get all your event questions answered. Our team has you covered on strategic planning, fundraising strategy, storytelling, data tools, and registration support. Get the tools and the help you need to make the most impact at your fundraising event. Book at elevatenonprofit.com. The link is also in our show notes. The Fundraising Elevator is recorded at the AV Department in Portland, Oregon. For years, they've been our trusted partner, delivering exceptional audiovisual production and videography for nonprofits. In 2020, they transformed into a dynamic live streaming studio, producing more than 900 virtual and hybrid events. Now, we embark on an exciting journey together to bring you this podcast. Seeking the best in live events, video production, and live streaming? We proudly recommend our friends at the AV department. Link in the episode description. At Elevate, we believe in bringing people together. Our online learning platform for fundraising events has webinars, workshops, downloadable tools, and more designed to save you time and stress when planning your next event. We're getting nonprofit, development, and event planning professionals the tools and ideas they need to create events that inspire donors and raise more money. So join us at elevatenonprofit.com. The link is also in our show notes.